on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Clock on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing. Time to go inside the electric factory on Steelers Nation Radio. It's Euler and Motes. And finally, Arthur Motes. Ah, yes. A zero. A goose egg has turned into one. Your Pittsburgh Steelers are on the board and right back in the hunt suddenly. Finally, finally, finally. That big W, the elusive W that we've been searching for all season has finally arrived. And the energy, just talk about the energy right now, man. Hmm. The city's smiling. The sun is perfect. Your hair looks amazing. It's back, baby. I mean, it's just a great day. Like, my kids, the next morning, like, after the win, they're waking up. I didn't even have to get them dressed. They got dressed on their own, made their own breakfast. I just sat in my robe and was like, all right, go to work then. Like, that's what happens when the Steelers win. That's what we get. I love it. Today was always going to go one of two ways, right, Motsi? We kind of talked about how it was a pseudo two weeks of playoffs for the Steelers, if you will, starting last week against the Bengals. Um, So today was obviously going to go one of two ways. Uh, We were going to come in here. And we were gonna be happy, and it was gonna be first victory of the season, and we're gonna have a lot of ta- we're gonna have a lot of talk about the Ravens and the AFC North and all that as the show goes along. Or we were gonna kinda have to come in here right and admit that the Steelers season is basically one foot in the grave. Mm. Or yeah. that, you know, we for for you know, lack of a better term, we would have had to essentially eulogize the Steelers here today. Mm. But not so fast, my friend. Nah, nah, nah. Instead, we get to come in here and do something that we haven't done yet this season, Arthur Motes, and you know what that is? Oh, talk about it. In the immortal words of Johnny Drama, Mm. finally, victory! Victory! Thank you, God. Victory! The Steelers are on the board and right back in it, Arthur Motes. A whole bunch to get into. Wildcat offense, that defense, Mason Rudolph. I think we have to start with the offense, though, Motsi. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I think there are two ways that you can take what the Steelers did on offense at Heinz Field on Monday night, right? I think there's kind of two ways you can look at it, if you will. Mm -hmm. The first is the cynical approach, right? Which is, yeah, they went out there and they won the game comfortably, but look at how they did it. They were conservative with Mason. They ran the Wildcat. We know that that can work, you know, in in short doses, short spells, but it's a little gimmicky overall. That's something Coach Tomlin even admitted to in his press conference yesterday. So you could have the cynical approach of it as, yeah, okay, they went out and won a game that they had to win, but I'm still not overly convinced that they're going to be able to continue that offensive production. Or I think you can look at it right as, we spend so much time in Steeler Nation complaining, oh, why don't they try this? Why don't they do that? Why don't they get this guy more involved? Why don't they add this wrinkle? Oh, look look what the Patriots do, and then look what the Rams have done with McVay, and look at some of the, you know, the offensive scheming that the Saints do and Sean Payton do down in New Orleans. We spend so much time begging for the Steelers to do something like they did Monday night, and then they finally do it, and I think it's encouraging. Certainly, right? Like I mentioned, you can't go out there with that same offensive game plan for the rest of the season and expect to have the same success. But I'm looking at it glass half full 
as in they were willing to kind of quote unquote change up what they wanted to do, uh, shift their identity maybe a little bit, if you will. I, I certainly will get into the Wildcat and how that, you know, how you could talk about how defenses can game plan for that and all those things that come with it. But I think it was encouraging to see the Steelers, right, step out of their comfort zone, if you will. We need to start out by tipping the cap to Randy Feekner. Mm-hmm. Going into this game, he was under a lot of scrutiny. People were talking about how he's not the real offensive coordinator. It's essentially Ben. He's just the face of it. People were talking about how they need to find ways to, like you said, be more creative, let Mason Rudolph cut it loose. Then when Randy made the criticism about Mason not cutting it loose, then they criticized him for that as well. And I think that this was a statement game for him. This was a game that showed that, hey, I know everybody in Pittsburgh was accustomed to one style of play for so long because of Ben Roethlisberger, but that's not our identity right now. We cannot win that way, and the creativity that we need was put on display. Randy took it on himself with the West Coast-style offense. Now, instead of you trying to attack these guys vertical, you're attacking them laterally. You're having the motion plays. You're running crossing routes, outs, things like that, and ultimately, you're helping Mason make high percentage throws to get his confidence up and you're helping the receivers get their confidence up because now they're getting catches and the more catches they get the better they're going to feel so all of those things played into that and that's why I loved the not only the creativity but the aggressiveness of saying you know we're going to implement this wildcat and we're going to stick to it I mean you think Jalen Samuels had I think it was six or seven plays out of the wildcat Mm -hmm. so when you think about that that lets you know that they were committed to it because when you're just talking about the amount of plays they're running, seven of those plays being dedicated to Wildcat solely, that, that's a, a good amount versus the typical one or two that you might see a team sprinkle in. But I loved it. I thought that Randy did a great job implementing it, and I think he did a great job in terms of understanding when to call certain calls as well. Because it's one thing for me to just say, hey, Wes, these are the plays, right? You got Wildcat package, we got the jet sweep package, we have the ghost motion motion package. I give you all this stuff, and you don't know when to use it. You don't know, hey, what, what, what look are we getting right here? What are we anticipating getting? But Randy did a great job in terms of orchestrating all that and understanding when and where to call certain things, and I thought that it led to them being the most successful and most productive that we've seen this Steelers offense be this season. There's no about. There's no doubt about that. Certainly, just from a pure, like you said, production standpoint, statistically. Uh, last night, I, I did a show with Tim Benz last night, and we had good conversation about this. And I want to get your opinion on this. He asked me, and I kind of had to stop and think about it for a second. Do you think now that the run game is fixed? Right, for lack of a better term. Do you think? Now that some of the struggles we saw in the first three games of the season in the run game are now suddenly, do you feel more confident about that going forward? Or do you still, kind of as you alluded to there, want to see this team having some success where the offensive linemen are in a three-point stance? Mason Rudolph is under center. James Conner is lining up in the backfield, getting a head start in that kind of classic sense of a run game, if you will. How do you feel about the run game now? Are you more confident in what you saw? And maybe you think Jalen Samuels will continue to get more work. Is it still something that, hey, they're going to have to continue to find ways to be creative to put their guys in in the best opportunity to succeed? 
Well, I think when you look at the stats from a pure running standpoint, James Conner, 10 carries, 42 yards. Now, granted, three of those, uh, he had three other explosive plays, but they classify those as passes on the little shuffle pitches from Jalen Samuels out of the Wildcat. So you have to put that into account as well. So there's another probably 20 to 30 yards associated with that. Right. But in terms of people feeling like you have to do the traditional, oh, if it's not a deep back running downhill, it doesn't count. That's the thing, the narrative that I really don't like the most because we always talk about people being innovative. We talk about McVay and how he's innovative. We talk about Andy Reid and how he's innovative. But why is it that when we see Pittsburgh be innovative in terms of the Wildcat, in terms of the jet sweeps, in terms of the wackiness that isn't traditional Pittsburgh-style offense, why is it viewed negatively? And I feel like that's the connotation that we get when they talk about can a team sustain this type of running? Is the running game fixed? When I look at the numbers that they had, when I looked at how they moved the ball, I say yes. Because even if the Wildcat is quote-unquote gimmicky, it still is an added wrinkle. It still is going to do certain things to add productivity. I think Jalen Samuels was instrumental in terms of what he did from a productivity standpoint. I personally thought that he was the player of the game from an offensive standpoint. He made the offense go. And when I think about all those things, as long as he's staying healthy and they're utilizing him like you saw on Monday night, I do think that the running issues will be fixed. Now, I don't think that this team, even though, we, like I said, they still have the same O-line, but I don't think this team is built right now to just line up and beat you off the ball. And that's due to the things that we talked about last week in terms of the receivers not being able to just say, hey, you're better than that guy. Go win your one-on-one. I'm going to throw it deep. So in turn, you're seeing seven, eight-man boxes still. But the thing is, when you add the motions, when you add the jet sweeps, when you add the wildcats, that makes the defense have to, number one, think a little bit. Sure. Communication. Hey, are we traveling with the jet sweep? Are we passing it? Where's your gap? Then on top of that, it tips their hand. If you're in man, when you see that motion, that corner's running with them. That right. linebacker's going with them. If he's going with them, that's telling the QB, that's telling Jalen Samuels, that's telling James Conner, that's telling everybody out there, oh, they're this is man. man. Now, if that guy stays put and he just boasts by himself, oh, they're in zone now. So as this thing continues to grow and evolve, now you're getting the cheat sheet prior to the snap. And for young quarterbacks, that's key. When we talk about the guys like Brady, the guys like Peyton Manning in the past, the reason why they were so special was they could, number one, look at you and dissect what you would be in from a pre-snap disguise standpoint because somebody's going to tell you something. But also post-snap, even if you would have them confused, they could pick it up fast enough because they had seen so much coverage that once it happened on the fly, they could adapt to it and know where to go. Young quarterbacks struggle with that because it's a lot to process in terms of your responsibility, the route combinations. They showed me cover two, but they're really in cover six. They showed me cover six, but they're really in cover one. Oh, it's a blitz. It's fire zone coverage. All of these things the quarterback has to think of. So when he doesn't know it pre-snap, now that mental process is sped up and they don't get the opportunity a lot of times to process where they need to go, similar to what you saw with Jared Goff in the Super Bowl when he struggled. The not knowing what's happening pre-snap, it hurt him in that game because now he's trying to react post-snap and it's happening faster than he can process. And that's why you see, like I said, a lot of quarterbacks tend to struggle, especially younger quarterbacks. So for Mason, 
This helps him out. This takes a load off of him. For that offense, it lets them all know where they're going, what to expect. And ultimately, that's why you saw them be productive on Monday night. And why I do think that in terms of the running game, this does address some of those issues because of personnel, because what they have right now. How long? Now, here's the million-dollar question, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something, again, that, that Mike Tomlin, he didn't try and sugarcoat it, that they're still trying to manage expectations for Mason, that they're still trying to keep him comfortable, trying to – saying hide him isn't the right word, but you, right. but you get what I'm saying. How long, then, can that strategy work – how do you balance that with giving him more opportunity while still right playing it close to the vest? Because we've seen with Mason, we saw it on Monday, we saw it in spurts too ever since the Seattle game, he can be successful, but I think eventually, right, and we could get more into this, I'm sure you saw the stats that you know his passes were an average of 3.5 yards and that's the lowest for a Steelers quarterback ever since those those statistics have been tracked. How much longer reasonably... Can you kind of keep Mason in a comfort zone while still trying to win football games? Does that start this week? Do we see that a little differently this week? Because, Motsi, I thought it was interesting that, and and you could tell me if you think maybe this was just a little smoke and mirrors as coaches do from time to time. Randy Feetner made those comments this past week, right, about how Mason had some looks. We need him to open it up more. We need him to take more shots downfield. And then they come out with a game plan that didn't really seem to, to you know, put that into fruition. Do you think that that was a little smoke and mirrors? Do you think that we could see Mason take more shots downfield soon? They just thought this was the best way to manage that Bengals game. How are you feeling about Mason, what they're asking him to do, and kind of how that could or should grow here in the coming weeks? I think in terms of the short to intermediate passing that we saw from Mason, I don't care about the average being a 3.5, whatever it was. I look at 24 of 28. That's highly efficient. That's what I care about. I don't care where they're at. I mean, think about this. You can ask them to throw the ball 30, 40 yards downfield, but if they're incompletions, does it matter? No. What we saw on Monday was them moving the ball, and that's what's the most important part. People want People get caught up in – what they're comfortable seeing, what they're used to seeing, which are, oh, man, you look at the highlights. This guy threw it 60 yards downfield. I had a guy talk, oh, Garner Minshew, he's young. He's throwing it downfield. I understand that, but is Garner Minshew Mason Rudolph? No. Is the Jaguars' offense the Steelers' offense? No. They talk about Daniel Jones, same thing. What we are focusing on is the Pittsburgh Steelers in their style and what's going to benefit them and the opponents that they're playing because every week is different. So when we talk about Mason taking shots downfield, this particular game plan didn't call for it. But did it need it? No. No. Because they moved the ball in a highly effective way. And the shot that they did take was to Deontay Johnson. It was a blown coverage, but it still it was organic in the sense of it it just manifested through the style of offense they were calling. And that's what I like. I don't want them to just call calls for the sake of fans or media members feel like, oh, you got to take shots with Mason. If you're not taking a shot with Mason, then you don't trust him. He can't be your franchise quarterback if you don't want to throw a deep with him. That's not the case. You're just trying – like like I said, people want to make it about Mason in terms of is he or is he not a franchise quarterback. Does the team believe in him or not? I don't think it has to be that conversation right now. He's going into his third start right now. 
he's pro- he came off of a very productive start on Monday night. Understand that he's young. Understand his strengths. Understand his weaknesses. And that's still happening right now. We're still learning. Oh, sure. But at the same time, understand that, hey, what is going to help him be the most productive right now? If it doesn't call for him throwing deep right now, don't call for him throwing deep then. We think about when Ben first came in. Was he throwing the ball 50, 60 yards downfield? No, it was a very short to intermediate, safe passing attack. No more than 20 passes a game. If they threw more than 20 with Ben, remember, it was like, oh, no, what are you doing? They're going to lose. And that was the mindset. I see the same thing with Mason. Short to intermediate passing attack. When the shot is there, take the shot. But don't force it. Don't just for the sake of I need to throw a deep throwing it like that. And I do think that Mason will continue to grow in this style of offense. And I do think as it progresses, because it will, and like I said, every week you have to evolve. I do think we will see it open up a lot more and expand a lot more. Just from last week to this week, we saw that. So those are the things that when I'm looking at Mason in terms of where I project him from a a ceiling standpoint, I do see it there. And the biggest thing is, like I said, though, the accuracy was there. He was hitting the pass he needed to make, and that's the most promising thing right now. A whole bunch on the board when it comes to the offense. How are you feeling about the run game? Is it fixed, or do you think it was just a, a one-game success story? How are you feeling about Mason? How does that translate to going forward? A whole bunch on the table here inside the Electric Factory on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Dabody52. Dabody. I want to kind of continue along these same lines of, of what we saw in the successes against the Bengals and how optimistic you are that that continues. And obviously, we're going to talk about the defense as well, too, because I got to talk about the defense. I think Come on everybody's now. feeling optimistic about the defense. I mean, how could you not? It's the defense. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know what, in fact, that's, that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we come back, Motsi. There's been a lot of, I think, poo-pooing the Bengals now, in this town. Right. We're gonna, no, no, we're definitely going to talk about that because even from a national media standpoint, right. just a day's difference, the, oh, the Bengals, how you viewed them mm-hmm. on Monday morning versus Tuesday morning, oh, it's night and day in terms of that narrative, so we definitely need to talk about that. Arthur Motes is going to call out some national media members next, so make hey, sure man, you stay shots here. Shots always fired. <laughs> Inside the Electric Factory on a Wednesday afternoon. Euler Motes again on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 Talking defense and national media narrative perspective when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A lot of varying opinions on the Steelers' victory Monday night, Arthur Motes. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of, yeah, okay, you just beat the Bengals using some gimmicks. That doesn't the, mean nothing. The Bengals suck. It's the Bengals. Do it against a real team. And hey, don't get me wrong. Talk about it. The Bengals certainly aren't Super Bowl contenders. Right? This is true. We're not crowning them. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. You want to crown them? And crown them. <laughs> but I think, particularly on offense, Mozi, mm-hmm. for the Bengals, the Steelers and the Bengals have had a lot of similar opponents, right? Very true. Seattle Seahawks, 49ers mm-hmm. being two of them. 
So three straight weeks for the Bengals before they came to Pittsburgh of at least 17 points. Mm -hmm. Those were against the Buffalo Bills, the Seattle Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. That same Buffalo Bills team Mm -hmm. that had the Patriots on the ropes and had Mm -hmm. Tom Brady struggling. 17 points at least until they came to Heinz Field. 17 unanswered in the second half. And, you know, I I don't even like to jump on it and just cut you off like that, but we got to get into it even more. Mm. So when people talk about it's just the Bengals, the Bengals suck, the Bengals O-line is oh so terrible now, that same Bengals team, or when they said, oh, they just gave up, they were down 14-zip on the road in Buffalo. Score 17 unanswered. And if it wasn't for Josh Allen orchestrating a great fourth quarter game-winning drive, they win that game. I take it to the first week versus the Seahawks. They're battling back and forth. It takes a wet, uh, uh, a rainy ball, slips out of uh, Andy Dalton's hand, becomes a interception to a Dean Lyman. If that doesn't happen, they win that game. Like, these are the things where I'm just saying to myself, okay, that wasn't the narrative then. You were talking about how this Cincinnati team could realistically be 2-1. and one. This Cincinnati team has done some good things. The Cincinnati team looks promising. And when you talked and looked at the predictions that were being made by a lot of media members, especially on the national standpoint, they were all saying that the Bengals were going to win that game. The Bengals had the favorable matchup because the Steelers' offense is no more now that Ben's done. This Pittsburgh defense can't stop anybody, and this is a get-right game for the Bengals and all that stuff. But now when you see the Pittsburgh Steelers go out there and dominate offensively, defensively, and just take over the game and essentially beat the Bengals into submission in that third quarter, then the narrative becomes, oh, this old line from the Bengals is so bad they can't stop anyone. Where was that narrative at when they stopped the Buffalo Bills defense, where they scored 17 unanswered on them in the second half? Where was that at? Because the Bills defense was, what, second overall last year and arguably the number one defense this year in terms of creating turnovers, in terms of creating pressure, in terms of stopping the run and scoring defense, et cetera. So where was that narrative at? And that's the thing that always upsets me. If this was the Patriots or the Chiefs, they went out there and beat the Bengals 27-3, to you know what the conversation would be? It would be talking about how great those teams are and how that's what you're supposed to do to an inferior opponent, and that's what you're supposed to do when you have the time that you have. But when the Steelers do it, oh, it was weighted differently. It's the Bengals. It's not the same. Where is that narrative at for the Ravens? The Ravens blew out a, a, a terrible Dolphins team that's tanking and haven't looked nowhere near impressive, but yet people were talking about them as the favorite to win the division. And, and we're going to do a, a look into the AFC North here in the second hour of the show, so I don't want to get too much into this. But people are talking about how, oh, the Ravens, they went to Arrowhead Stadium and they hung with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. No, they didn't. They did not. They were down 17 points in the fourth quarter Absolutely. of that game. They scored some garbage time touchdowns and to made backdoor it look, cover. It, it just made it look interesting. So people think that it was a great game. I, we're no, going to no. talk about the AFC North. But they talked about how, hey, man, they, they went in there and, and, and beat a, a, a Kyler Murray Arizona Cardinals team. That Kyler Murray Arizona Cardinals team hasn't won a game. They suck. Period. Stop it. The Bengals' offense, Motsi, and even just Andy Dalton, mm-hmm. against the Niners and against Seattle combined, right? 700 passing yards and four touchdowns. Thank you. I Again, I am still cautiously optimistic. I think that's how I'd describe it with this offense, right? I, I, I love the fact that they added some new wrinkles, right? I mm-hmm. love the fact that they kind of changed up 
who they are in a way on yes. offense. I, I love seeing that, but I'm still cautiously optimistic going forward. With the defense, though, man, uh, this defense is legit. And I'm I'm almost ready to cannonball into the deep end with my, <laughs> with my belief in this defense because... Again, while I while there's still some things I'd like to see on the offensive side of the football, Andy Dalton in this offense had success against the Bills, against the Seahawks, against the 49ers, again, against Seattle and San Francisco, 700 yards passing and four touchdowns. Thank you. And that, mind you, is without A.J. Green still. Thank you. And you have to remember, Joe Mixon wasn't even having a ton of success. Right. Because people were talking about how, man, Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing last year as a top back in this league, but is struggling this year. He can't get it going this year. But now all of a sudden, oh, man, it's just it's the Bengals. It doesn't matter. It's the Bengals. Their old line's terrible. It's the Bengals. This is Andy Dalton. Where was that when they were putting up those yards versus those other top-ranked defenses the defenses that get the benefit of the doubt the defense that you talk about in a high regard where was that then but now oh it's just the Bengals Steelers don't count that win don't count they supposed to have done that it's crazy it's disrespectful that's what it is man it is and that's going to continue this week Oh, without it As we lead up to Baltimore, it's going to be, yeah, well, okay, but you know, everything they did on Monday was gimmicky. No, no, no. The thing, is, the thing I'm waiting to hear is this, right? So, Steelers go out there and beat the Ravens on Sunday. Next is, well, that Ravens team isn't very good. Right, that's what we're going to hear. That, 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 that the Ravens AFC, team. The AFC North is bad. Come on, man. The only reason they look like that is because they beat the Dolphins and they just got that their reputation, but they're not good. That's that's the next thing that's coming. I'm, I'm waiting on it. I really am. It's just crazy to me that... When the Steelers find a way to be successful offensively and defensively, it's as if people want to move the goalposts now to fit their new narrative and their new argument. When if this was any other team that beat the Bengals that way, I mean, if you look at the Bengals' losses, this is the the most handily they got beat all season. Oh, not even close. Period. They lost by one point to Seattle. And they that's that's by four oh, points to the Bills. That's a Russell Wilson Seattle that people talk about how good in they Seattle, are in on, Seattle. The yes, West Coast. Yeah. talk about that. Then, like you said, Bills. We can say what we want in about the offense, but it was in Buffalo, and Josh Allen had been playing really well up until that point. Obviously, he had a terrible game versus the Patriots, but other than that, he had been playing really well. They were undefeated. I just the the Jimmy Garoppolo led Niners. Like all, I just it's just funny. To me, how the narrative changed so drastically in 24 hours from that game starting to when the game ended to how it goes from the Bengals. The Bengals, they they got something going. I mean, people were talking about even doing the commentary. Oh, man, we're liking what, what, you know, what, what young Zach is doing with this team. I like the direction they're going in. Some of the things they're doing. Oh, but when the Steelers saw that offense and, you know, he's a, a McVay understudy. So, you know, that's an offensive guru. Can't be scoring three points in oh, a game. Oh, no, no, not three points. What? And the three points is off of a short field because of a Deontay Johnson fumble. Come on now. That's just – I'm not saying you got to crown the Steelers offensively or defense. I'm not saying that. But what I do say is when they deserve praise, when they deserve you to tip your cap to them, you do that. And that's the only issue I have. And I know you have your, your cautious optimism about the offense – the thing that I liked about the offense was this. In the words of our, our good guy, Tanner, who follows us on the uh, on the social media, 
at Wesley Euler at the body. At 52. the body, you know what I mean? But hold on, the body. There, there we go. go. There I we go. You. I got you. So my man said he, he quoted what Tomlin says: "If you got red paint, you paint the barn red." Yep. You got players that are. They're good in terms of their skill set, right? But their skill set doesn't necessarily fit the traditional Steelers mold. So what do you do? You adjust the offensive play call and you adjust the scheme, the schematics of it to fit your players. You paint that barn red because you have red paint. And that's what we saw. You have athletes who can play in space. You have Jalen Samuels who can orchestrate nice interior runs in between the tackles. Very Frank Gore-ish in terms of how it didn't look pretty, but he's getting four, five yards. It's just a quiet four, five. Keeping them on schedule. It's quiet, but it, it gets the job done. You utilize that. You utilize, okay, James Conner, we're not having a success running downhill. Okay, let's get you in some of these jet sweep actions. Let's get you in some of these misdirection type plays. Where you're still, it might not be him lining up behind Mason Rudolph, but you're getting him moving before the right. before the line is. It's not like you're handing him the ball sidecar out of shotgun flat footed. Correct. And these are all the things that they started going to. Hey, the O-line hasn't been the best in terms of just road grading guys off the field. Okay, well, look, what we'll do is this. It's an aggressive front. We know that Bengals D-line historically can get upfield and create havoc. Let's use that against them. Let's run counters. Let's run some traps. Let's run some toss action. Let's run some sweeps. It's perfect. I love that. You paint the barn red if you got red paint. And that's what the Steelers did offensively. Defensively, People are talking about how, hey, man, they're getting the turnovers, but they're not stopping anybody. They're giving up a ton of yards on the ground. They can't stop this. They can't. Devin Bush, Mark Barron. Are, is Devin Bush a bust? Mark Barron should be fired. That was the narrative. Both of those guys probably had their best game to date as Steelers on Monday night. And I say that with a, a extreme confidence. And even when you looked at Mark Barron's play, was it Pro Bowl worthy, I still wouldn't go that far, but he made the plays that he was supposed to make. He got hit with a back shoulder pass by Eifert. That's good execution. Good throw, good catch. He makes The other the team's allowed to make plays, Absolutely. Too. He makes the interception in the end zone. You call it what you want. We all talked about how Andy Dalton will throw you the ball. Catch it. Joe Hayden had opportunity. Joe Hayden dropped it. Mark Brand had opportunity. Mark Brand catches it in the end zone. Huge play. You saw Devin Bush flying around. Play recognition. Tackles for lost sacks. Those are the things that we wanted to see from those two, those two guys, and we got that from them. So that's the thing that is very encouraging about this defense. And then from a turnover standpoint, they continue to create turnovers. The strip sack. They continue to find ways to get the ball. And that was the point of focus, the point of emphasis this offseason, right? We need to create more turnovers. Mm-hmm. Last year, they weren't generating enough turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, whatever it may be. They weren't getting the ball to the offense. They weren't adding possessions. They're at, what, nine now for four games? Absolutely. They had 15 all of last season? Absolutely. So when we look at that, that's a recipe for success. And now we're seeing it happen when we saw that Bengals game. And if they can can continue that versus the Ravens, I expect a similar result. I expect a similar outcome in terms of a win. Joseph chimes in here. It's amazing what the defense looks like when they're not on the field most of the game. (laughs) Amen. A hundred percent. Amen. This was the first game this season where the time of possession, even though they didn't win the time of possession, it was drastically close. It was at least close. about 50 30 minutes to 29 minutes. We'll take that. That's, that was the best by far. And then when you look at third down efficiency, when we talk about the Steelers' offense, 
Could they sustain drives? They did. The first time they did it all season. When you look at the the third down efficiency for the uh, Steelers, 33%. When you look at it for Cincinnati, 28%. Anytime as a defense, you want those guys to be shooting at about one for four when it comes to third down plays. If you're getting off the field three out of those four times, that's a great day for you. Anything under that 33% range is great for you from a defensive standpoint. Now, when we talk about the offense, they still – struggled in some of those short yardage situations especially early on but they're finding ways to extend drives they're finding ways to move the ball and that's the encouraging part because I still think people are assuming that because Mason this isn't his first start anymore that the offense is supposed to magically act like they've been together all offseason they're supposed to magically just hey now the light clicks we're good to go it's a work in progress it doesn't You can't just say, oh, he had two weeks together. They're good to go for the rest of the season. No, it takes offenses all offseason to be what they want to be. OTAs, training camp, preseason games, the beginning of the season, all the way to the end of the season. All of that is associated with offenses being productive. So you have to understand and you have to gauge your expectations accordingly to that because they haven't had that much time together. So everybody's still learning each other right now. But the fact that they were able to put together a solid performance like that on Monday night is very encouraging. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at DeBody52. DeBody. You know this discussion is going to continue. We'll get to some of your input up next. And also, when we come back, Motsi, the debut Uh of a new segment. Talk about it. It's time to go inside the play with oh. Arthur Motes. What's that mean? Well, you're going to wow. have to come back with us of to course. find out. Like, we're not going to tell you right now. you got to tune back in. Duh. Another new exciting segment inside the Electric Factory. We'll go inside the play when we return, as well as getting to your reaction on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. It's Euler and Motes, Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Feeling good. Our first post-victory show of the season here. Victory Wednesday. Woo! On Steelers Blitz. We like it. We love it. Mm-hmm. We want some more of it. Absolutely. And Arthur Motes, I came to you this past week, right? Because you know, yeah, we do this show together. But I cut my teeth in this industry, in this business, by being a producer. Right? This is true. You you are the brains behind the operation. I'm gonna you are the, show the right method now. to the. I mean, you you are the. They call you the trifecta if you were an actor, right? Because you could. Dance, you could sing, and you could act. Mm. I mean, over here, you rock the mic, like you produce the show. Player. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, I just can't even get over how good your hair looks this morning. Like, that's just that's just <laughs> you. That's what you bring to the table. Producing it, hosting it, and the idea that I came to you with was for a segment where I think we're going to call it "Inside the Play." Yes, that's what you is said, that man. is that is that work with you? Yeah, we'll see if that works with the Power Grid on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Debody Fifty Two. Debody. We'll call this play for now inside. We'll call this segment, pardon me, inside the play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Unless one of you give us a better suggestion. But the idea for this, right, Motsi, is that 
um, I came to you and I said, I think it'd be really cool. Like, this doesn't have to be a big, long spiel, right? Nah, it, nah, it can nah. just be a couple minutes at a time. That's it. But one play or maybe a series of plays mm-hmm. in a game that you really wanted to look in depth into. Mm-hmm. So, Arthur Motes, how about, about it's it. time here for our inaugural Hey, Inside the Play segment. Hey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now that we are talking about inside the play, we have to talk about the Steelers offense implementing the Wildcat, in particular, the six plays that they used for this Wildcat offense, seven plays, excuse me. Now, the reason why I want to talk about it more in depth is this, what the Wildcat does in terms of being a challenge for defenders and why it's successful. So for the Steelers offense, the reason why it makes it harder for defense to adapt to it if you haven't had the preparation is due to the added run gap that the quarterback presents. Typically, as a defender, when you're seeing an offense, you're not worried about the quarterback because he's strictly just throwing the ball. So for run stand, from a run standpoint, you always have the extra guy. You always have one or two extra free hitters. When you implement the Wildcat, you don't have that anymore. Because now you have to account for that run for that quarterback. And if you haven't had time to prepare for it, you're always going to be a gap short, a man short. And we saw that time and time again versus the Bengals on Monday night. The next thing about it is it's very unorthodox. At this level, you do not see that. That's why you saw Lamar Jackson have a lot of success with it last year. You saw when Tim Tebow started using it in Denver, how he had a lot of success. But the thing is, you have to evolve it. You have to add the pass element to it. Now, for the Ravens, this not only gives them something else they have to prepare for, it also takes away from their time of preparing for other things, which is the benefit of that wrinkle. And that's what I love the most about the Steelers adding that wildcat element on Monday night because now instead of them preparing for different ways to minimize juju or different ways to stop the power runs and things like that, now they have to spend time accounting for the Wildcat. While still accounting for all those things you Absolutely. just mentioned. Absolutely. So it just adds to that element, which is perfect and I think genius. And the last thing that I love about this Wildcat and why it was so successful was the Jalen Samuels impact. I think that he's one of their best players offensively. And you saw what it looked like in two weeks. San Fran, 14 plays, Jalen Samuels, zero touches. You saw what the offense looked like. Then you look at how it looked on Monday night where he was the focal point, where he touched the ball double digit times, where he was able to directly impact the game. And you saw how successful he was. You saw how it got that offense going and it gave him life. It gave him that red bull. Mm. It gave him the energy. It was, he was the Steeler offense's power grid. And that's what you want to see more of. I want to see more of the Jalen Samuels impact and utilizing him in the Wildcat helps make that happen so that was why i wanted to break down these wildcat plays and why they were so successful and why going forward if they if the steelers continue to use it what they present the challenges and the benefits of that and the next stage of that which would be having some type of pass off of it but other than that man i'm excited about it i'm loving it that's inside the play baby Arthur Motes breaking it all down for you inside the play here on the Electric Factory. So how's it look going forward, right? Is it 
I, just, I can't let the sound bed go. It's just too I good. I love that bed. That, that bed is beautiful. <laughs> All the nostalgia. He's rumbling, stumbling, tumbling. All, <laughs> <laughs> All we need is a little nobody circles the wagons yeah. like the Buffalo Bills or a rumble. Bumbling, stumbling. Hey, cut. Go. Oh, no. The- wait. <sighs> Gotta love it, man. But what what does it look like then going forward? Because you mentioned there the next wrinkle, right, is to be able to pass out of that. Absolutely. Is it even still maybe something that I alluded to in that first segment when we were talking? You can also use it as like a smoke and mirrors tactic. Yes, indeed. Because the thing is this. If all you're trying to accomplish, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, you want when you're running the ball four yards. Four yards per touch is the key. Sure. A lot of times when you're running out of these wildcat formations, some of these jet sweeps that are associated with the wildcat and the motions associated with it, you are at an advantage in terms of getting those three and a half to four yards of pop. And I do think going forward, if you continue to add these wrinkles at the right time and without tipping your hand, I think that it can be successful. Now, I will say this, the way that we would always combat that would be that anytime you would see an offense break the huddle and go into the wildcat, it was always one basic check. So these are the things you have to realize. That basic check is going to add somebody into the box probably going forward. A safety will walk down so they have that added defender. And then on top of that, sometimes we would blitz the wildcat because we say that that guy handling the ball, he might be used to having the ball as a running back, but not in the zone read element of it, not in the play recognition element of it. And those are some of the things you would try to do in terms of speeding up the process. Now, if you are the Steelers, the thing that you have to worry about, well, not worry about, but the thing that you have to be aware of is this. A lot of times when teams make that check, they're locked into whatever call it is. There is no audibles mm-hmm. out of it. There are no other wrinkles in terms of that call. So if you get them to make that check early in the game, you know what that check's going to be for the rest of the game. Now, a lot of teams, when they do the Wildcat stuff, they'll run it once and say, all right, they're checking to this. It didn't work, and they probably won't go back to it. But I always say, hey, it makes sense to go back to it later on when you know, hey, we go Wildcat, they're checking to a cover three with that safety walking down. I can hit this play right here, or I can have that happen right here. Those are the things that I'm saying to myself. If I'm Randy Feekner, I'm already planning. Right. I'm already trying to find the and then, and then, because it's going to happen. I mean, when you, talk, when you talk about the Ravens in general, they see Wildcat daily with Lamar Jackson. Sure. They understand, and this is probably the best team that's going to be prepared for it. I would agree. But – it's still ways to attack a defense when you're in that because in this particular instance, teams are going to make a hard check because they're going to see Mason Rudolph go out to the wide receiver standpoint. Whereas with Lamar Jackson, why it's difficult is because he doesn't have to tip his hand in terms of is this considered wildcat or is this regular offense? So right here, you're going to get the Ravens in a hard check. Whatever it may be, you're going to see it early in the game. They're going to check to it. And then from there, Go ahead and make your adjustments off of that. And now you know going forward, if they're playing it all in man, boom. If they're playing it all in zone, boom. If they're blitzing it, you're going to know. And that's just the beauty of the game. But those are the adjustments within the game that a lot of people don't like to talk about that often. But that's going to be a telltale sign in terms of how successful this is going to be going forward in this game. I love it. 
I love it. It's like I said, this is what I wanted this week, honestly. You know what I mean? Like I just I wanted things to talk about, optimistic things to talk about. Keep hope alive. Looking ahead. Yes, not eulogizing this thing, but instead a breath of fresh air to this thing. And I, I think all these wrinkles that we saw on offense, uh, some of the hope and optimism for what that might look like going forward, some of the uh, the things they added to their repertoire, if you will. Some, Absolutely. Some, uh, you know, some additional weapons in that tool, some additional tools on that tool belt, if you will, for the Steelers' offense. Uh, a lot of good questions here on Twitter. Uh, Jason says, Mason's passing was an extension of the run. Took his shots when they were there, controlled the clock, and it really helped out and showed what this defense can do. I think that's the formula, isn't it? Like, like there's been a lot of talk, right? And we kind of laughed at some of this over the past couple of weeks, but there's been a lot of talk of, well, okay. Well, what was it, 2003, 2004? Yes. When, when Ben came in, oh, well, it's the same situation. You got the quarterback going down. You got the guy coming in. The one thing that I might be able to say, right, to actually connect the dots there. Talk about it. Is they're going to have to win games the same way that they did back then. Fair enough. And that's going to be by not falling behind in games. Yes. Not putting themselves in bad situations, not turning the ball over inside their own half of the field like we saw on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And letting that defense lead the way. Let the defense play downhill. Keep the defense fresh, right? Extend drives. Control the clock with at least 50-50% possession. I think the one thing that I am willing to concede and draw a parallel from Ben's rookie year to now Mason's first year as a starter is I think that this defense can be good, and I think that's kind of, it has to be the same formula, again, of controlling the clock, of not putting yourself in a hole, you know, playing with a lead, letting your defense pin their ears and get after the opposing team. I think that's the formula. Yeah, I agree, and it's not like this the only team with that formula. You look at the Ravens. The Bears. Those are prime examples of teams winning with that exact same formula. But like I said, the narrative is different because it's Pittsburgh. The narrative is different because they want to see Mason sling it and be the franchise quarterback right now. If he's not the franchise quarterback right now, nobody believes in him. The trades were a waste. We need the draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. People like to operate in the absolutes, and I say this all the time when it comes to football. You either love them or you hate them. They're either <laughs> the best player or the worst player. They're, they can't just be good. It can't just be, hey, man, he's growing. It can't be that. It's either they're a finished product or they're a bust or they're terrible. That, that's it. And with this situation with Mason, I think to myself, okay, to an extent, how many times have we talked about Tom Brady with his short to intermediate passes, mm-hmm. how he'll work it to Edelman 10 plays in a row. And then he, he'll he take a shot deep once or twice in the game, but other than that, he's dinking and dunking, dinking and dunking. Oh, it's fine when it's him doing it. But if it's Mason doing it, oh, you guys don't trust him. Oh, you guys are, you know, keeping the, the training wheels on him. You're not, you're not opening up the offense. New England does it, and they have a ton of success. So why can't the Pittsburgh Steelers do it with Mason Rudolph? He can, he can throw it deep. Brady can throw it deep. But if it's not there, why are you taking the shot? Remember the the story of Ben texting Switzer and saying, why can't we do a Tom Brady? Maybe this is what they really meant. Right. (laughs) Why why can't we do it like this, man? Maybe maybe this is what they really meant. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The Body. I told you, I'm loving this week because we can come in here and we can truly preach optimism. Absolutely. Whereas the past couple of weeks, we've had to have some kind of glass half empty, some pessimistic yes. discussions. 
I've got some optimism for you. Talk about it. And it involves the rest of the AFC North. Talk about it. We will when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler Remotes. One hour in the books, another hour to go. Let's look around the division a little bit, and I'm going to give Steeler Nation even more reason to be optimistic as we enter the uh, the second quarter of the 2019 NFL season. Euler Remotes inside the Electric Factory on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. And how are you? <laughs> you know, just enjoying that dub. Well, that's good. Welcome inside the Electric Factory, hour number two. Club dub, baby. Club dub. I like that. You know, Maybe we're we going to have to do our own type of club dub. Yeah, man. Crossover Johnny Drama victory. Something. I might have to produce something there, Mozi. Hey, you know, I'm just over here cooking. I think you're on to something. Just let me cook. Just let me cook. I'm on to something for you, Arthur Motes. All right? we It's funny. We kind of get it from both sides. We get accused... Like we did two weeks ago when the news broke with Ben of being too pessimistic, being too negative. Uh huh. But then today, everyone is loving how positive and how optimistic we're being. Oh yeah. It's a it's a tight rope tight rope that we walk in this industry, you mm-hmm. know. But I have got some positivity for you. I've got some optimism. Talk about it. I'm going to. You ready for this? I'm waiting on you. And you can tell me if this is bold or not. I don't think the AFC North is very good at all. Ah. <sighs> Let me I hit do. you with let me hit you with some factuals, all right? Because uh-huh. you know how I like to do here, right? Talk about it. You're the one with the experience. You've been on the field. You've been Who, in the locker me? room. You know, you've Who? won division titles. You won. Who, you won. A, you won some awards when you were at JMU. You Who, know, you're, me? You're not a football guy. Look at you just making me feel special. So I have to be the stat. The, not the stats, but you know, I you're have the numbers to be guy. The, I got to be some numbers and some journalistic type stuff, and Absolutely. you know, I got to find some ways to support my opinions other than just. You're my Dr. Spock. I've been. Come there. on, man, <laughs> Mr. Spock. I, I need you. Yeah. So I'm just gonna hit you with some factuals here. All, all right, right, go ahead, do that, do that. This is my expertitalism. Hey, coming out here. No team in the modern era, right, in the current playoff format, mm-hmm. in the AFC North, has won the division with less than ten wins. Mm. There has not been in the current format a nine or less win team to win the AFC North. Okay. Also in the current format of the playoffs. You know how many 8-8 eight and eight teams have made it as a wild card, Arthur Motes? Nah, you're my guy. Tell me. That would be a, another goose egg. Mm. None. Wow. So how you would probably take that <laughs> normally would be kind of pessimistic, right? In a Correct. sense that, okay, hey, the Steelers go 9-7, and seven, history shows that won't be enough to win the division. Right. The Steelers go 8-8, eight and eight, history shows that won't be enough to get a wild card. I think both of those trends get broken this year. How they said, not so fast, my friend. Not so ah! fast, my friend. And a big part of it is it's twofold. One, I don't believe in the Ravens. At least not yet. I'm not buying into all that hype. I talked to you about how everybody, all it took was them going to Kansas City to Arrowhead Stadium and losing by five. And all of a sudden, everybody thought, oh, well, the Ravens are for real. 
when they were down 17 points in the fourth quarter. 17! Of that game. You look at their schedule for Baltimore. They still have to go out to the West Coast to play those Seattle Seahawks. They still got the Patriots. They still have the Texans. They still have to go out to the West Coast to play the Rams. They are who we thought they are. (laughs) They have to go up to Buffalo. They got to go up to New Era for a game at a place that's tough to win at. Calling the Ravens frauds might might be a little too hard. All right, all right. That's that's a little much. Yeah. But I don't think the Ravens are going to win 10 games. Mm. I think they're an eight or nine win team. Okay. You look at the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> You're not buying into the Baker <laughs> madness. You're not buying into the hype train surrounding Cleveland. You're not buying into that offense being back on schedule next, <laughs> thanks to Nick Chubb. What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> no. In fact, are you ready for this prediction? Talk about it. Three weeks from now, Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. the Browns are two and two right now, right? Okay. And they're feeling good about themselves. They're feeling great. Wow. The fan base, okay, maybe they expected more than 2-2 two and two to start the season. Mm-hmm. They are in first place right now. If the season ended today, Arthur Motes, the Browns... Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to go brush my teeth and take a shower after saying this. The Browns would be AFC North Division champions if the season ended today. What Do you know, I'm still, like I said, I still got to get used to this whole media thing. That's a media staple. I've seen that a lot lately. If the season ended today, these are the... I'm like, but the season does not end today. I mean, it's four games in and we're already having this conversation? You Crazy. know, you know that I used to work in the Cleveland area. Yeah. I worked in the Ohio market for two years. But you were a, you're a Philly I, guy. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Facebook or Twitter from my Cleveland past, my coworkers in the past when I was there, friends that I made during my time there. First place Browns. First place Browns. First place Browns. First place Browns. Yeah, great. Until you have to go to San Francisco and Talk play the Niners it. next Monday night, then the Seahawks at mm-hmm. home. Then you have to go up to New England and take on the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick up mm-hmm. in Foxborough. Here's my prediction for you, Motsi. Mm-hmm. Three talk. weeks from now, the Browns are going to be two and five. Whew. They're two and two right now. They're going to lose the next three weeks and be mm. two and five. Now, I'll say this as well, too. After that game against the Patriots at the end of October, yes. they might be favored in every game they play the rest of the year except when they come to Heinz Field. Their back end of their schedule... If you take the Steelers out of it, they play the Broncos, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Bengals twice, the Cardinals. I mean, the back end of their schedule is pretty favorable. I See, this is where we differ. I don't think that Bills game is favorable for them. But that might be the most difficult one yeah. on their schedule the rest of the year. Absolutely. So from 2-5, and five, you could still see that team finishing with 8 or 9 wins from, from that point. But I think, I really do, when I look at the Steelers' schedule, right? They win Sunday against Baltimore at home at Heinz Field at 1 o'clock. And I honestly, I, I might call them the favorites to win the division now. Okay. I, I know that's, that, is, that is a far cry. Ooh. But if they win against Baltimore and the Browns lose on Monday night, they will be tied for first place in the division. Okay. I understand that part. With the Browns still having to play the Seahawks and the Patriots. And the Ravens still having to take all these trips to the West Coast and play in the Patriots and play in the Texans. I think the Steelers are in the best division possible for their current situation. That's how I'll put it. In a division, that, that's, that's the best way to put it. I yes. want to say because I feel like right now. Am I being might, too optimistic? And you burying, might be jumping burying, it just a little am bit. I jumping the gun and J- burying Just the a little bit, all right? <laughs> Tell me why. All right, and here's why. 
we talked about this Steelers team, right? They were finding they find we are assuming that they found somewhat of an identity from an offensive standpoint in utilizing the West Coast offense and utilizing the Wildcat. This is a very small sample size. We talk about the defense and how great they looked versus the Bengals, but they have been getting worn out and tired in some of these other games in terms of having too much time on the field. We know that the Ravens thrive in what? Controlling the clock, making your defense out there at time, keeping your offense on the field. I mean, keeping your offense off the field. So I need to see what that looks like. Then at the same time, I'm just saying to myself, I'm looking at this Steelers schedule, and realistically, it doesn't get easier when you think about at the Chargers after the uh, after the Ravens got the bye. Now the Dolphins coming out of the bye at home Monday night. That's I like that a lot. That's beautiful. Colts been looking very impressive though. Rams just put up 44 the other day. Defensively now they struggle. Browns is going to be interesting. At the Bengals, I love that. Browns, again, it's going to be a little different. That Cardinals matchup on the road, that should be a home game for the Steelers because of the fan base. Steeler Nation in Arizona is crazy. That Bills game, tough. Love the Jets matchup, then at the Ravens to end it. So I'm not ready to just say, like, oh, they got the most favorable schedule. Because I personally feel they don't. No, I'd say the Browns probably do. Absolutely. Even though their next three weeks are tough. True. But even with that, I'm still not all the way sold on San Fran yet. Hmm. And particularly that offense. But again, they have to go out to San Fran True. on a Monday night. True. And the only thing that I like about San Fran, I don't need, I'm not even concerned about the traveling for the Monday night. I like the fact they're coming off of a bye. So that means they have the extra week to prepare. That's the only thing that I'm really optimistic about in terms of that because I still don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo I personally feel that right now I have a lot more confidence in Baker Mayfield than I do in Jimmy just because I've seen more of Baker I've seen his struggles I've seen where he's excelled at with Jimmy it isn't consistent yet it's sometimes it looks great is that fool's go sometimes it looks very bad and that's my concerns with that I do think though this matchup, like I said, for the Steelers on Sunday is huge. It's not as big of a must-win as last week, but in terms of them staying in front of this division, staying in the thick of the race, this is one of those games they have to win because, like I said, from a scheduling standpoint, it doesn't get easier. And I don't want them to be sitting at 1-4 and four going to L.A. on a Sunday night versus the Chargers. I'm like... So that Chargers team's starting to look a little bit better. Absolutely. They're getting Melvin Gordon back. They're getting a little healthier on defense. And, and that's the thing. I'm just kind of like, mm, I, I need us to have that win before we get out there. And that's kind of my thought with that. So I still believe that these Steelers are going to win a, a good amount of games and going to definitely make it interesting down the stretch. But I'm not ready to call them the favorite just yet. I need another week of what I saw. If I can get another week of that, then I'm definitely going to be a lot more optimistic about them. Do you think my so okay so you you telling me to uh, you know I gotta you, you know fishing rod reel back in my just a little bit. reel yeah, it yeah, in just, just a little bit yeah. do you agree with me though that this will be the first year in the modern era in the current playoff format that it's not a double digit team who wins the AFC North and an eight and eight team will get in as a wild card I do believe that it will be a nine and seven team that wins this division 
I don't think it'd be eight and eight per se. Not to win the division, but to make a wild card potentially. In terms of from the AFC, I I'm not sold on that just yet. I don't know about that one because I still yeah. think it's probably uh, Chargers and Bills. And, and that's it, what I'm saying. And I think like just looking at that Bills schedule, there's probably not nine. And yeah, seven. I'm seeing nine and seven from them right now, and that's my only concern. I'm like, okay. If Bills nine and seven, I definitely think the Chargers are going to get nine wins, but I don't see them winning that division over the Chiefs. So that's kind of where it falls in terms of that. But with the Steelers, I could definitely see them winning this division. Like you said, first team to win it with under ten wins, without a doubt, I can see that. And it's set up for them to do so, but they have to win these division games. That's what it really comes down to. Those are the games that are going to matter the most. Typically in the past, you always worry about, oh, we got to win the other AFC games because for a seeding standpoint, we're trying to get that one or two seed. Throw that out the window. You're trying to win the division. And that's what it's going to come down to, winning those games over anything else. You have to win those games. And that's, for me, the focal point right now because you win those, man. You get your home wild card game and, hey, let the chips fall where they may after that, baby. But that's what it's really going to come down to right now for this team. And they've had a ton of success in the division Absolutely. over the last two or three years. They've now won, what, 11 straight over the Bengals? Yes, Which indeed. is insane. We all know their track record against the Browns. And they, oh, I saw— and shout, and shout out to Coach T, man. Mr. 14 and 2 on primetime Monday night games, man. Mm-hmm. Put some respect on his on his game day, on his big game awareness, his big game play call. And he cuts it loose. He plays the win, and we saw that on Monday night. 17 straight Monday night home wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That mm-hmm. dates back to Three Rivers Stadium. Absolutely, back when you was a little baby. Back when I was, a, yeah, quite literally, I was, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a baby. <laughs> no, you got you're unbelievable. <laughs> um, I, I get the, it, it's got to be a week at a time. I do think the magnitude of this week, I it, is huge. It's like another pseudo playoff game. Uh, the Steelers certainly aren't out of it mathematically if they lose this week. But if you're going to tell me they're going to split with the Ravens, right, I think it is important to win this week. And I think, let me ask you this too, 5-1 and one record in the division at the end of the season going to be good enough? 4-2 and two record? Can you afford to split with the Browns and the Ravens and sweep the Bengals? Do you have to win five games in the division, go 5-1? and one? Do you even have to go 6-0 and oh in the division? How do you think that shakes out? Honestly, I think, I think you could split with the Browns and the Ravens and still four get and two because in the division. I think they're going to beat each other up as well. I think Browns and Ravens will split. I do think that oddly enough Cincinnati always finds a way to play the Browns tough. Yeah. Just one of those wacky yeah, in-state they, rivalry. They always do it. It always happens. I think those are the things that help out and you already have to realize that the Ravens already have a loss to the Browns as well. So all that plays into it. So I could see them getting in that four and two, winning that division just fine. What say you on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Our buddy Mark says, tell him, telling me to tap the brakes one week, one week at a time. Just start stacking W's. Hey man, stack them, stack them, stack them. Listen, I mean, you know, I, I agree with you, Mark, but you know, we got all this airtime to fill. We got to talk about something, all right? Come Listen, on, Mark. look, man, we're going with it, man. I'm just Super tr- Bowl. I'm just thirteen well, three. Okay, hold on, I don't know about that, but <laughs> championship, championship playoffs, playoffs. When we come back here, uh oh, it's a Wednesday. No, you know what that means. Oh, it's the best of the West Wednesday. It's my favorite thing on Wednesday, baby. How are you power ranking the teams in the National Football League this year? How uh. 
how down are we on the AFC and compared to the, what looks like a much stronger NFC. We'll get into all that when we return, as well as continuing to take your reaction on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Inside the electric factory, it's Euler Remotes, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the electric factory, having some fun on a Wednesday afternoon and Arthur Motes... Our loyal listeners know what Wednesdays mean. Loyal. It's a best of the West Wednesday. Your top 10 teams in the National Football League as it stands right now. Arthur Motes, no spoilers. No. There's a lot of NFC teams on this list. Oh, man, I thought you were buying into the to the to your, your hype that you just sent me. I thought Steelers would be number one on your list. Well, they're always number one in my heart, but I don't know about number oh, one on my list. Yeah, come on. How about that? That was pretty good, huh? All right, all right, all right. Let me ask you this first before I get into my official list here. Uh, Patriots, Chiefs, obviously. But aside from those two teams, who would you have ranked right now as your third best team in the AFC? Oh, man. Oh. Let's see. The Colts, I thought they've been doing pretty well. Uh then they got whooped by the... I know. That's my thing. I'm just like, I haven't seen it. Chargers? <sighs> Maybe just because what you can kind of project what, yeah. what they look like going forward. But that's the thing we're talking about right now. We're not talking right. about from a projection standpoint. Texans? Browns? Jags what? Jags? <laughs> With Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico? There's a lot to be left desired in the yeah, AFC right now, AFC that's for sure. Is. And that's, again, getting back to what we were talking about, why I'm, mm. I think, optimistic, right? While I'm a little bullish, if you will, on the Steelers' chances, I think they're still... You feeling the Titans? <sighs> no. No. Yes. Uh. So here we go. You Best of the West Bills. Wednesday. The Bills would be the, the Bills. third. I, gotta have to, I have to go with okay. them. I think it says a lot about the AFC right now that it might be the Bills. <laughs> yeah. And it would be because, oh, look how well they paid the, played the Patriots. Because, like, I mean, just... they were undefeated going into that. And, I mean, you think about it. Josh Allen, four interceptions, five total turnovers for that Bills offense. That killed them. And they still were in it with an opportunity to win it at the end of the game. And that defense is playing lights out. It really is. All right, so here we go, Arthur Motes. All right, let's do it, baby. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a little bit since we've done this because last week we had the the switch up with the show stuff on Wednesday yeah, with the press conference. You know what I'm saying? The following week before that, I think I did best of the West on quarterbacks. You didn't want to talk to me. So here we go. A quarter of the way into the season, right? Twenty five percent of the way into the season. Now we got a little bit of a sample size. Hey, here is your best of the West as we get ready for Week Five in the National Football League. Number one. And I wonder where I could possibly be going with this. Pittsburgh Steelers? It's the New England Patriots. Oh, man. I knew you was going to go with your boy TB12. I mean. You like that kill. That defense for the Patriots looks good. And you know what's hilarious? What's up? Is that if the Patriots go on to have another successful season, that defense will get zero credit. It'll be all about Brady and Belichick and how genius and how great they are. When it was the defense leading the way for that team last year, it's been the defense leading the way for that team this year. 
I'm surprised you're going at your boy TB12 like that. I mean, oh, would you stop it? You want to show everybody your TB12 tattoo? Wow. It says the person sitting across me with a TB12 t-shirt on <laughs> and a TB12 uh, coffee mug over here. This is crazy. You know what's in this coffee mug? It's uh, faux gras and yeah. grass and it, kale. It definitely, it definitely, it's a green, without a doubt. Patriots number one. Number two. How about this? I'll stay in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know. Those first you know two why? are big because shockers. Because you love your Andy Reid because he's a Philly guy. It's cool. No, I, 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 it's cool. I do love Andy Reid. I don't know if I love Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. No, you love him. Me and him are uh, Shake Shack buddies. Remember? Absolutely, I told man. you that story about that was hilarious. You know, 1 a.m. out Let of the combine. Let me get the picture with you. Hey, who's this guy? Andy Reid at, at Shake Shack woofing down a burger and taking selfies. Yeah. And Andy. Uh, and how about his comment about Mozart's paintings? Tell me that wasn't hilarious. True. This is true. <laughs> true. All of not Mozart's paintings weren't masterpieces. Well, that's because Mozart didn't paint. Hey, man. He made music. But you I know. like where your head's at, Andy Reid. All right? At least you're trying. Hey, let him just drop some knowledge, man. I got the Chiefs at number two. Number okay. three. Get ready for the, the run of NFC teams here. This one's going to surprise. You're going to laugh at me for this one, and deservedly so. I got the New Orleans Saints at number three. I mean, Your still, boy Sean still my boy Sean Payton, the, the the guy that I, if you listen to this show, you're picking up what Moses putting down. I am not a fan of Sean Payton. You love Sean Payton and his play calling, and how he just finds ways to win the close games. Yeah, and how this, despite the fact that he had those three seven and nine seasons in a row, he never gets any criticism. Despite the fact that his team had the ball in the red zone under two minutes in the NFC Championship game, despite the fact that his team had the ball first in overtime in the NFC Championship game and still lost. Hey man, be- replay PI. We need you to replay because PI. of one call in a three hour contest. That's he, why you lost one call in a three hoped, hour contest. He hoped bring us to a new era a dawn of a new day we're all loving that the past interference review has officially started on monday night hey man it was a push off allegedly i have to say though what they've done in lieu of drew Brees has been impressive that defense is good mozi that saints defense is good I love it. I've got them at number three, sitting at three and one. Right behind them, a team that they just had a big win against, the Dallas Cowboys. Mm, okay. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys, I think that offense has its shortcomings with Dak. Uh, is he a good quarterback? Yes. Is he a great quarterback? Uh, no, I don't think so. I agree. You saw some of those limitations against the Saints. The Saints scored 12 points in that game, no touchdowns. And yes, they were at home, but still, four field goals was enough to beat you, Dallas. That, that high gives, flying that Dallas gives some, Cowboys That gives me some cause offense. for concern. But hey, Zeke is still there. That offensive line is still there. Amari Cooper's still there. And that defense is legit. I worry a little bit about their head coach. I worry a little bit about their quarterback. But and those, you don't worry about your boy Leighton Vanderish. I do not worry about my boy Leighton Vanderish or Jalen Smith. I still have the Cowboys as it stands at number four. I still think they're a capable team. Number five, another team with some quarterback issues. But absolutely no questions on defense. The Chicago Bears, the Bears. That's main. That like that defense is that awesome oh, that we can sit here and talk about this defense like that. Talk about the Bears being three and one, and that's a direct correlation to how great that defense is. I think honestly, Trubisky or Chase Daniel, just get out of the way. Right. Uh, that defense don't, don't, is just just hey, don't turn the ball over. Right. Just hand the ball off. Go three and out. So and you'll good. be fine. So Don't turn good, it that defense. I've got the Bears at number five. Certainly a lot to be desired at the quarterback position, but uh, 
Every team in the NFL has their question marks right now. Not every team in the NFL has that defense like the monsters of the midway. Talk about it. I've got them at number five. Number six, Arthur Motes. We're sticking in the NFC here if you haven't caught a theme. Your boys, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, wow. Yeah, making their their, uh, highest appearance on the list since week one. Oh, man. Since week one. You got uh, Philly at six. When you go, when you go up to Lambeau on a Thursday night, oh man! And, and, and Aaron Rodgers throws for four hundred and twenty some yards oh, against you. Oh man! And you still find a way to get a W. Now you, oh man, okay. I like the Eagles, man. I think they're a good team. I don't like the Eagles. I like the Eagles roster. Oh. I, I, All right, it's okay. Good, it's a good team. Okay, the Philadelphia if you say Eagles. So, man. And hey, they might even, they could be, if you follow in the Twitter.com, could be adding Jalen Ramsey to that roster sometime in the next yeah, few days. Yeah, yeah. All I know is Jags turned down two first round picks. That had to be from the Chiefs, right? All I know is they turned down two first round picks. Because they there was that source that said uh, that they thought that the, the two first round picks would end up being way back in the end of the first round of the draft. If you're turning down two first round picks, what are you saying yes to? Right. <laughs> that's, that's sending a clear message that you don't want to get rid of this guy. I mean, is it is it like is it twenty two year old Joe Montana that's like, on the trade what? market here? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I don't know if he's moving. Yeah, number seven, I've got those Green Bay Packers. <laughs> the disrespect. All right, let's do it, baby. Aaron Rodgers. I think that <sighs> defense is good. Yes, they fell short. They had some some self-inflicted wounds uh-huh. against the Eagles on Thursday night, but I think it's fair too. I don't put as as much stock in the Thursday night performances as I do the Sunday games. It, wow. it can, can sometimes be a bit of a toss-up. But you put a lot of stock in that Thursday night game for the Eagles, though. And you, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. I put enough stock to put them ahead of the Packers because they did win that game. But you said it was Thursday night. No, we put some I've got in the that. Packers in my real boy. Aaron Rodgers at number seven. Quick digression for you. Yes. Uh, Matt LaFleur, LaFleur, head coach of the Packers. You know his wife's name? Patty. Is Brie. Brie. You know what Brie is? No, I do not. A type of cheese. Oh. And he's the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, tell me that's just just not the coolest thing ever. I see what you did there. (laughs) Number eight, the team that the Steelers will see this season, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they've had their shortcomings, they've had their struggles, but they're the defending NFC champions, and they're three and one. Oh, now, now, now we're letting past have an impact. Okay, defending NFC. I don't know if past. I think pedigree has an impact. Oh man, but you like and again, the Eagles three, pedigree. They're oh, three and one. We're, we're gonna get to this. Three and one, Motsi. Uh, now, now, now we're going records over. Okay, okay, all right. All I've right. got Seattle. Well, no, hey, I still haven't put the Niners on this list, and they're four and zero. Oh, so I'm, right. I'm weighing all these things with okay. a grain of salt. All right, all right. I got the Seattle Seahawks at number nine. Uh huh. Man, Russell Wilson looks good, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Russell Wilson looks good. He's uh, finding a way to get it done. They're they're three and one. I still think Jadavian Clowney's only going to get better. I do agree with that. I, I I like the Seahawks, and then at number ten, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't have the Niners on this list. While I agree with you, still a ton of question marks. You are what your record says you are, right, Motsi? And they are <laughs> they are four and zero. Oh, the San Francisco 49ers. No, no, no. They're not four and zero. Oh. They had the bye week. Remember? I thought. They, hold on. Or three and zero. You're right. Three and zero. Yeah, they had the bye week. Yeah, they're undefeated. Oh wow! I've got them at number ten. I, I, you know, I. There was some consideration to putting your Bills there. There was some consideration to putting the Chargers there. But again, an undefeated team is an undefeated team. That's what we're doing now. Okay. All right. 
That is the best of the West top ten as they stand right now. What say you, Arthur Motes? All right, let's hear it. All right, from from six on down, we got to talk. Let's talk. I love one through five. One I, through can, five I can is totally fine. get with that. One okay. through five is fine. Absolutely. Who should be number six? Oh man! So for me, I'm going Rams at six. Okay. I do agree with the pedigree. I do agree with the talent that they have offensively and defensively. I am not a fan of how they give up a ton of points. This is the second year in a row. We've seen that. With the talent they have, they shouldn't be getting 50-plus points scored on them. I don't like that. But I still think they're six. For seven, you talking records. I understand the Niners lead the NFC West, but I don't think they're the best team in that division. I think it's Rams, Seahawks, then Niners. So for seven, I have Seahawks there. Okay. Okay. Now number eight. Just so you know, that's the order I had them, Rams, Seahawks, Niners. True, but you had them a lot lower. I had them them uh, eight, nine, ten. Exactly. And you had your Eagles at six. I did? Yes. So that's unacceptable, all right? So right now we're at, what did I just say? You said said uh, Rams six, Seattle seven. Yep. All right, so Rams 6, Seahawks 7. Next, got to go with the Green Bay Packers. I have them at 8. Okay. okay. I do, like, they were close in terms of where you so had, had them at 7. So I had them at 7, you got them at 8. Absolutely. I feel like at yeah. 8 is good for them just because I still want to see more out of Aaron Rodgers. Right now he's living off reputation right. and not off of what we're seeing. Which is crazy that we'd, Absolutely. Be, think we'd be saying that we just need to see more from Aaron yes, Rodgers. I, I do, though. I haven't seen enough from I him I agree yet. with you. And even though they're 3-1, it's predominantly because of that Mike Pettin-led defense. Mm-hmm. And I think they're playing inspired ball, and I love that about them. Now, for number nine. For number nine. Number nine. Let's go Buffalo. Okay. Don't disrespect I knew, I knew the Bills. Was, I knew that was coming. Don't you disrespect the Bills. I'm hard on the Bills. I, I used to play up there. I understand the process. I understand the growth in Josh Allen and how he's looked this season. But the same way we talk about that Bears defense, and we're high on the Bears solely because of that defense – I'm like that for the Bills because of that defense. You saw what they did to Tom Brady. Up until that game, Tom Brady looked like a man on a mission. He was surgical. He was doing whatever he needed to do. The Bills shut that down. The Bills made him look below average. I thought Brady was going to retire at halftime like the boy Vontae Davis did last time. That's what the Bills did to Brady in that Patriots offense. So that's why I got the Bills at my nine spot. And for 10... It's not your Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. It's not. I got to go off of records. And with that being said, the Niners, the Niners. are 3-0, and so I put them at 10. All right? So, so get at, your Philly Eagles out of here. All of our spots were like one or two no, different no, from each other no. besides Except the Eagles. Except your Eagles. Get your Eagles out of here. Well, all right. They gots to go. You know what we should do, Motsi? What we should do? There should be a little friendly wager about, you know, your Buffalo Bills and my Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, uh, now you want to get into the wager game. They don't They don't play this year, right? I don't Unfortunately, think. they don't. Because if they did, it would be a beautiful day. Who finishes with more wins, the Bills or the Eagles? Wait, they do play this year, October 27th. Oh, boom. Let's line it up. Let's do it. <laughs> line it up, baby. We already had uh, we already had Steelers Blitz Bowl 1, hey. you know, when the Mountaineers beat the Dukes. Absolutely. So Maybe this will be one, Steelers huh? Blitz Bowl 2, the two former organizations that you and I were a part of. I like that. We should definitely make something happen uh, right, with that, We're going to make something happen with that three weeks. Absolutely. In Buffalo. Absolutely, man, it is funny, right? That's I'm so, glad that works out this way. And, and look, and the thing I'm laughing to myself about is this: I was like, from the divisions, I said, is the NFC East really that much better than what we're seeing in the AFC East in terms of we know the Cowboys and the Eagles are the cream of that division, right? And then there's One a pretty substantial gap, right? And then you look at the Redskins; they're cool. trash. 
the Giants are playing better, but they're hope, still hope with Daniel with right. Daniel Jones. The, the way I view the Giants is how I view the Jets. It's yes. like ah, you got a little optimism, but I don't know if I should believe it. And maybe once they get Saquon back, you right, know? it might change. Yeah, and so I'm saying maybe once the Jets get Sam Darnold back, it'll I think change. it certainly will change. And yeah. I think more so than Sam Darnold, when they get C.J. Mosley back consistently healthy, that changes because that mm-hmm. defense is night and day with him. Mm-hmm. And um. Their first round pick, uh, Quentin Williams, yes, has been banged up too. Absolutely. So those are the things I'm looking at in terms of optimism for both of those teams. When it comes to the Redskins versus the Dolphins, I'm like, ah, toilet bowl and toilet bowler. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so so it's realistic. Like Vanderbilt versus Kansas in football. <laughs> so I'm looking like, uh, you know what? <laughs> you might play in good conferences, but you're not yeah. good. <laughs> I'm just saying to myself, this this might be a fair fight to see who has the better record at the end of the year. I I, I like what I'm seeing right here between these two teams. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're going to see what's going to happen. And obviously, you know it now. Mark your calendars. October 27th. Hey. Steelers Blitzball 2. I like it. As the Eagles travel to <laughs> Buffalo. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. We got a couple more tweets here we will get to. And when we come back, we talked a lot in the first hour, right, about Finding ways to win. Yes. I want to ask you about finding ways to win versus finding an identity. Mm. How that relates to the Steelers team, particularly on offense. We'll do that when we wrap up the show and we return. Yula Remotes inside the Electric Factory on a Wednesday. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show on a Wednesday afternoon, and I wanted to ask Moats about finding ways to win versus finding an identity. What's more important for the team at this stage? But before we do so, I had a question. You got a question? You just stumped me, and we're gonna, we have to <laughs> we got to turn this one over to the power grid. All right, so I'm a retired guy now. You know, I'm living the old guy life. Well, I'm, living the, I'm living the, the party scene. I mean, you're you know, still I, up in here working. I do my tailgates and things like that with the terrible tailgate. Shout out to them. Steeler gang, always a blast. Red lot 5A for all the home games. And my question was this. When I go to the games, I see people in jerseys, right? People have my 5-5 jersey on. I've signed them. People have other players' jerseys on, etc. But I want to know, am I allowed to wear my own Arthur Moe's jersey? Because I have jerseys. I have my Arthur Moe's jersey, and I'm like, I'm going to the game. Can I wear my jersey, or is that weird since it's me? Help me understand, because right now I've been just straight T-shirts because I don't know if I'm supposed to wear my jersey. Am I supposed to wear like a throwback jersey? I can't wear anybody's jersey that I played with or in my generation. So I have like some older, like retired guys, some legends. But I want to know, like, can I wear my jersey? Is it a game-worn jersey, or is it like a, I have you know, like both. a fan jersey? I have like... Because I had like appearance jerseys, so I have okay. color rush jerseys, I have bumblebee jerseys, I have game worn jerseys that are like tailor made to me that I don't want to want to break out because they're uncomfortable to wear to just walk around in. Mm-hmm. But I have like multiples of this, and I'm just like, can I wear that, or is it like weird, self centered, mm. obnoxious, or is it like, nah, bro, you earned that, you can do that. This is not going to be the answer you're going to like, but I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> like, I, I, I just need to understand. Like, like I, I, I do think 
that you would have some people that would be like, all right, it's kind of a weird flex there, Motsi. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I also think you'd have some people that'd be like, yeah, I mean, why not? Like, like, you wore that jersey on the field. Why can't you wear it around town? Is that, I mean, like, if people wear jerseys, like, I saw, I was sitting next to a guy, he had a, had a Ben Roethlisberger jersey on. Dope. Ben was my teammate four years. I played against Ben. Cool. I'm not going to wear a Ben jersey, but I want to wear a Steelers jersey. Do I got to, like, go, like, super throwback? I mean, even with Troy. Troy's one of my teammates. I don't really want to. I was going to say, that's, that's kind of weird. Troy Polamalu is the last Steelers jersey that I've purchased. Yeah, but it I'm was like. probably 10 years ago. I'm like, Troy, like. I don't know if I don't I'll ever buy another one, honestly. Troy, like, Troy, no, I, I get that Troy, from your standpoint. For like, me, it's like I never want to wear another jersey other than Troy. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I need. Like, I've got a Mean Joe Green jersey. I've got a Lambert jersey. I've got Santonio Holmes. I've yeah. got Joey Port. Like, I got a couple. Right. But if I'm ever wearing a Steelers jersey, it's it's Polamalu. Yeah, so I that's, mean, that's like my issue right now. I've been. I've been T-shirt strong. T-shirt game strong. I got a Kendra Bell jersey. I got all type of Steelers T-shirts. Pittsburgh-themed T-shirts. You do have a strong Pittsburgh-themed T-shirt game. Like That's what I do. You know what I mean? But in terms of like the jerseys, I'm like, I got like one or two throwback throwback jerseys just from doing like specialty one-off events with the Steelers where you had to, they get you a custom like throwback guy, but... Other than that, I'm like, I have my jerseys. I'm not going to go buy somebody else's jersey. It right. just feels, like, weird. Yeah, no, that would I, – I'd be with like, you on that's, that that's one. That's weird. And I think, too, like, this is something that you need to make a decision on pretty quickly here because in another month or so, it's going to be freezing cold right. and you're just going to be bundling up and wearing jackets and hoodies. And But but even with that, I've seen people that they have their jacket, but they still make sure the jersey is shown or they wear their hoodie with the jersey over, over top. Over top. So I'm like – I feel like I got to start – I got to draw a line. Am I going to be a T-shirt guy from here on out or am I going to be a jersey guy from here on out? Because once we start this this winning thing, the, the train rolling, you got to lock in. You have to, It can't be you're on the fence. Oh, sometimes I'm in a jersey. Sometimes I'm in a shirt. Sometimes no, I wear no. a polo. Right. It's, it's one or the other. Hmm. Draw the line in the sand. Hmm. I need your help. Help me understand what I should do. What should Arthur Motes do? On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna have to. We got to crowdsource that one. We, we got to crowdsource it. Get at us I'm on about Twitter. To a poll. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, we should. Maybe tomorrow on the show we'll throw up a throw up a poll before we get started or something, and uh, and tell Arthur Motes what to wear to Sunday's game against the Ravens. Yeah, man. Jersey, my jersey, T-shirt. You're not a polo. You're not a polo to the game guy, are you? No, that's too. Pro- I wear. I gotta wear polos to do Steelers TV. It just feels too professional. See, I'm. Anytime I go to uh, WVU away games, I always rock a polo. You know, because I wanna. I wanna. You know, help change the culture and the perception of the Mountaineer faithful. I, I feel you. But when I'm at when I'm at home in Morgantown and I'm in the blue lot and banging beers off my face, yeah, like, I'm, wearing, like, I'm wearing a jersey every time. I'm over. I'm trying to just lay back. And, and there we go. We got a response right now from Joseph. Shout out. He says, "Hey man, wear your jersey." I see people wearing custom jerseys with their name on it. Hashtag double nickel. Major love, major respect. And I do, I've seen that. I saw a cat the other day. I forgot. It was like some, oh man. It was something like super weird last night. I'm like, yeah, dude. That guy never played for the Steelers. He never played for the Steelers. (laughs) And definitely not that number. Because I know the people who wore that number. He didn't wear that number. How old old was this guy? (sighs) He was a millennial. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't like... Okay, so I, I still think old. he's in the relative... There's two real big Civil War discussions when it comes okay. to wearing jerseys, Motsi. I don't know if you're aware of this. You probably are. One of them is a custom jersey with your own name and number on the yes. back. And the other one is just kind of that overall discussion of how old is too old to wear a jersey. Mm. I've always said 
that I don't think I would ever buy. And I think I've been, well, I guess I did. I bought a $20 knockoff from China, Will Greer, <laughs> Will Greer WVU jersey last year. But other than that, I've never purchased a jersey of somebody younger than me. That was always Ooh, a thing that I had, right? Okay. Like, like I have Lemieux and Crosby and Darius Kasparitis Penguins yeah. jerseys. If I ever buy another Penguins jersey in my lifetime, it'll probably be throwback. Like, I might buy a Malkin the jersey one Penn's day, right? The only jersey or, I own is Sid the Kid. Yeah. I got two of them. One's hung up and one's personally signed to me. Really? Yes. Oh, that's sweet. And, and that, that, that's, that's sweet. it. I got so I have my one that like when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals that the it was my first year in Pittsburgh. Okay, it had been their second one. I had one that I got for the run, and then after that I had another one that I got that he personally signed to me, and I hung that up. That's awesome. But other than that, I'm like, no, I can't just be going on just buying different jerseys. Why right. players leave? Like, no, it has to be a legend so that when it's done, it can become a retro. It could become a throwback. So the, to those two questions, right? What do you say to the crowd of, oh, after you get, you know, into your, out of your 20s, you shouldn't be wearing jerseys anymore? I mean, I know people that are 30, 40 that have, like, multiple jerseys that buy whoever the new first-round pick is. Every single year they, they Every buy year they jersey. got new jerseys. Yep. I've seen that. I feel that if you're a jersey person, you're a jersey person. I agree. If you're a t-shirt person, you're a t-shirt person. But you can't flip-flop. It's like one or the other. Because you mess up. you're a hoodie person, you're a hoodie person. Right, you mess up the mojo of the team. Like, imagine... Belichick, right? We see him all the time. Short sleeve, cut off hoodie. <laughs> Imagine if we saw him on the sideline with like a button up. You would lose your mind. Like what? Or, or even just a nice fleece pullover. Or, or if like, you saw him in the coach tee, like the 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 loose fit dry t-shirt. Fit, like, yeah. dry, like if you saw Belichick, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, what is going on here? Like the game can't happen. Like certain people, that's just their identity. That's what they wear. So that's why I'm just trying to figure out like what is my identity right now? I'm I'm searching. This is what happens when you retire. You people talk about man, you retire, you got all this extra time on your hand. What are you gonna do? Like, I have these type of dilemmas. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is your new reality. This is my dilemma right now. Like, do I wear my jersey? Do I wear someone else's jersey? Do you just hit, stick with the t-shirt? Like, uh, Tanner. Let, let's see. Tanner hooked us up. Most jersey to the game is okay in my opinion. If you're wearing it out on a weekday, weird flex, but okay. But to a game, your jersey's the same as your family wearing them to me. Okay. Hmm. Steven, shout out to Steven. Wear your jersey. G-Rob says, guys, Moats was a Steeler, so he's got to rock his jersey, and I'm a big fan if the jer- of the jersey over a hoodie. Oh, I do like that look. The jersey of a hoodie is tough. John, Arthur, you rock your jersey. I'll be in town for the Steelers-Ravens game. Ooh. Can't wait. So, so far, four for four, people okay, telling okay. you to rock We're looking your jersey. Good. We're looking good. I, how do you feel, Motsi, about... <laughs> Uh, like, is there appropriate cutoff age? Not for you, right? Not for people who actually right, right, wore the jersey on the field. I'm talking just for an average Joe Schmo. Uh, is there a cutoff in your mind for once you reach this age, you shouldn't wear your own name on the back of your jersey? In terms of the customs? Yes. <sighs> I don't think so because, like... Like, if I was out here rocking a Euler jersey, right, with 21 on the back... Okay. Would you be looking at me funny? I wouldn't... I'm 28 it, years listen, old. Listen, listen, I wouldn't, and here's why. Outside of football, I have a Pirates jersey, and I have a U.S. Olympics basketball jersey. Ooh. Both 5'5 five, five moats. <laughs> and I wear, when I go to the Pirates, I wear my jersey. When I'm out and it's 4th of July, or I'm out, it's the summer, and I want to show off the, the guns, I put on my USA Olympics basketball 5'5 five, five moats jersey. And I wear it with pride. But you're also an athlete. You know, you're just an athlete. I, me, I'm just a jabroni. So for me, like, I do, I, I like that element. But you can't be flip-flopping numbers. Like, whatever your number is, that's your number. 
So like for me, since I'm five okay. five, it doesn't matter if it's now football, it doesn't matter baseball, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm wearing the five five. If I create a hockey jersey, mm-hmm. it's going to be five five moats. Like that's my vibes on that. So see, my two numbers growing up were fifty nine and twenty one. Okay, fifty nine for hockey, mm-hmm. twenty one for soccer and basketball. Okay. When I played football, the three or four years that I played football in middle school and high school, I think I wore 89. I was a tight end. I, I don't really count. Uh, like okay. The numbers that I wore predominantly growing up were 59 in hockey, 21 in soccer. Okay. So I'm always torn between the 59 and the 21. I feel you because for me, from freshman year of high school till my first year in Pittsburgh, so you think about 52. how many years that was, I was 52. Mm-hmm. Your Twitter handle is still 52. Absolutely. My wife's Twitter handle is 52. Your Instagram handle is still 52. My email address is 52. Well, my, <laughs> my I have two email addresses. One's 52, other one's 55. So in that regard, it was all it's always interesting for me when I'm like, uh, the body 52, uh, something, something 52. But then when I'm talking like current, like from creating something, it's always 55. And that's the that's a very unique dynamic. So for me, like when I hooped, I was always 34 because I was like, I want to be like Shaq. Sure. But now it's like it has to be 55. And I think with 55, the reason I love it so much is not only I, – I, this I tried to equate it. I was like, you know what? 55 is the growth. So it's like 52 because 5 plus – it's 2, 2. So mm-hmm. 5, 2, mm-hmm. 5 is 55. Okay, bet. And then I'm like 55 is a smooth number from an aesthetics it is. appearance. So it, it really can go is. on anything. I could put it on as a basketball. I could put it on football. So even when my daughter, when she hoops, she's 55. And I'm like, right. it looks good. Right. And that's why I'm like, okay, I can rock with 55 forever because it's perfect in that regard. I like that. You know what I mean? What's the best, worst sports jersey you own? I'll give you a second to think. Mine is a Chicago White Sox baseball jersey. Michael Jordan, number 45 on the back. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, right. I got that black White Sox drip with the Jordan 4-5 on the back. That's the best, worst jersey mm. that I own. Whew. Let's see. My best. Actually, I own a Philadelphia Union jersey. Do you? The MLS, yes. And it's my boy CJ Sapong. We went to college together at JMU. Uh, man, big fan of his. When we were at JMU, obviously he got drafted right after I did. So we always just kind of stayed in touch with it. And he has a jersey of mine. I had a jersey of his. Problem is, when I got his uh, Philly uniform, he was balling out. And then they traded him to Chicago. And I'm like... Oh, no, I'm stuck with this Philly jersey. Like, I don't even like Philly. And, and I contemplate wearing it still yeah. because it's his. But I'm like, ah, it's Philly. He's not even on the team no more. He's in Chicago. And I'm like, I don't want to buy a Chicago jersey. And, yeah, that's – yeah, that, that definitely goes down as that jersey for me, You're bro. still getting the unwavering support of the people. Steven says being a fan gives you a license to be crazy. No age limits. Jason says, Moats, you should wear your own jersey, buddy. You earned it, my man. Shout out. The people Shout have spoken. Out. There I you like go. It. Shout out Just to the power. Just don't wear the game worn one. Okay? No, no, no. I, that's, that would be a that's, weird. That's, that's, that's a, obnoxious. Like, yeah, I, I wonder, <laughs> like, you know, like TJ Watt would be looking at you up in the stands. Like, like what is Moats doing? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a bit much. But I will, it, it, I will break out the five five. Then I appreciate the power grip for speaking. That's why y'all are the best. Major shout out to you guys. I love it. Shout out to my dog Westman on the ones and twos, producing the show, doing what he does best. We had some, we had some fun today. It'll continue tomorrow on the show. Our guy Brian Backo will be with us. Absolutely, tomorrow. man. Backo Thursdays. You it's know that. It's also a three question Thursday. And oh yeah. 
You know, we we said a lot of victory and a lot of yelling <laughs> and, and exciting stuff this week. You know, one thing we didn't say today, Motsi. And what is that? And it's a Wednesday. We can't wait till Thursday to say this. Mm. Ravens week. Ooh. Ravens week. Ooh. It is Ravens week, so we will really start to turn the page tomorrow on Thursday as we do and look at those Baltimoreans, those rat birds, those the rat birds, purple people who are coming to Heinz Field this weekend. All that and more on the show tomorrow. Big thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter, particularly here in this last segment. Absolutely. Well, helping out Motsi. Hey, good to know they still lock in, man, this late in the show, man. Major respect to you guys. I Appreciate love it. You. We love the power grid. As always, you know where to find us on Twitter, at Weston Euler, at Dubody52. Dubody. And you know where to find us tomorrow. Same time, same place. We will talk the ins at high noon tomorrow, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.